Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. This one I'm going to be diving into this question of is it viable to to make money with WordPress or start a company creating WordPress websites? Can you make money with WordPress, all that sort of thing? So I'm going to be diving into three things. I think there's sort of three big things you need to look at when you're seriously asking this question. I don't just want to give a, oh yeah, you can make money with WordPress. I really want to break it down, analyze the market like I would any other and give you the hard numbers and data to to answer this question. So we're going to talk about, first off, is it a viable market in general? So just the, the WordPress sort of ecosystem, is it viable? How viable? Uh, how can we compare it to, to other markets that are out there and so forth? So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about are there any sort of opportunities in the market? So are there little niches or are there, there underserved markets or underserved communities or ones that are so big that one company really can't completely serve the entire market, etc.? So we're going to look at some of those. I think there's three really sort of big opportunities in the WordPress ecosystem that you can take advantage of. So we'll talk about those. And then I think finally just, uh, you know, I've worked with a client who who has a WordPress plugin. That's their flagship product. I've been doing that for uh, over eight years now. So uh, I have some experience with this this ecosystem and the things that it takes to be successful in this market. So I'm going to talk through some of, of those tips and, and tell you what I think and, and what I've learned in regards to all that. So that's what's coming up in the episode. Of course, before I do that, I do want to encourage you to head on over to store.johnmorrisonline.com and help support the show, as well as also get the coding training you need. So over there, you'll find all of my courses, including my PHP course, my object-oriented programming course, my Upwork course, my login script tutorial, my forms course, all of that, again, at store.johnmorrisonline.com. And you can use the coupon code JMO at checkout for 20% off anything in the store. So again, get the coding training you need, but also help support the show and what I do here on a daily basis. I would greatly appreciate that. Again, store.johnmorrisonline.com. All right, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into this then. So the first question again, as I said, is going to be, is it a viable market? And so we'll just run through some of these numbers. And if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard some of these, but there's going to be a lot that you really haven't heard. So we'll start off with sort of the obvious ones. I've talked about this quite a bit, but we know that WordPress currently, the statistics for usage are 29.4% of all uh, websites are powered by WordPress. And if you look specifically at the CMS market, it's 60% of websites running a CMS, they use WordPress. So it's it's a pretty big market. There's millions and millions and millions of sites running WordPress right now. So huge market. And what's interesting about it is that it is a very specific sort of application. So it's really different than if you look at, say, like PHP, and it has 87.2 or 3% market share right now, you think, well, 87% is quite a bit higher than 29. And it is, but PHP is a language. So it's, I mean, <laughs> that's a that's sort of a really broad thing. This is a very specific application that does a very specific thing, and it's powering almost 30% of the internet. So that that is that is pretty massive, and I, I, I don't know that you would find another application that that's, that is that big. Maybe... But uh, I would be I would be hard pressed to to know to know what that is to be able to figure that out. So again, huge market. The other thing is it's also a growing market still. So 
it's up 2% from last year in terms of the number of websites it powers. So it was, I think, 27.3 or something uh, last year. So it's gone up just over 2% over the over this last year. And it's up 16% in terms of usage from 2011. So it's not only a big market, it's a market that's continuing to grow. It also has good, I would say, in terms of when you look at certain things uh, regarding the health of the market, one of the things that you look at is how up-to-date uh, is are, are people when it comes to this particular software. So 94% of the sites running WordPress are running version 4, which is sort of the latest major version of WordPress. Now, if you compare that to, say, PHP, 87.6% of of the sites that uh, we know that are running PHP, they're still on PHP 5, and there's only 116 on PHP 7. Now, I talked about this before, hosts, web hosts control that quite a bit, and so when web hosts sort of make that switch, that those numbers will tilt pretty quickly, and if you look at them, that's 99.2% of sites are on PHP 5 or PHP 7. So that, I mean, that that is a huge sort of adoption rate when you look at it that way, but still, uh, you only have 11.6 on PHP 7 right now. So then, so again, users are, are you know, actively keeping things up to date. It, it's not only a big market, not only a growing market, but also a healthy one in terms of technology. Now, if we look at plug-in usage, so this is one of the other aspects where we can look at some some numbers and data and give us a sense of just how big this market is. So if you look at the top five plugins, at least at the time that I was looking at it, you have Contact Form 7, which has five, five million plus active installs. So we want to make sure and make this distinction. That's not downloads. That is active installs. So sites actively running it right now is 5 million plus. Yoast SEO is 5 million plus. Akismet, which is sort of the spam thing that uh, WordPress has, 5 million plus. Uh, Jetpack, 4 million plus. And WooCommerce is 3 million plus, all active installs. So you have the these plugins that do some fairly simple things that just have huge in active install numbers. So again, it just gives you more data that this is a pretty big, pretty active uh, uh, market out there. So again, this all goes towards viability. Another thing that you can look at, if you go over to Theme Forest and you look at themes. So I, I just did this by bestseller for WordPress themes. And if you look at Avada, the Avada theme has 395,683 units sold at $60 a unit. So if you do the math on that, that's, I guess, roughly 18 million uh, in revenue. Now, I don't know if every unit that was sold sold at $60, so there's some fudge room there maybe, but still, that's a huge number. And that's just one theme. If you look at X theme, that's 173,000 unit, uh, 547 units sold at $45 a unit. So you can do the math on that one. And Enfold, which is the number three, is 146,170 units sold at $59 a unit. And this in particular relates very strongly to the question of you know, starting a company, creating WordPress websites, because themes are sort of, when you, when you think of building a WordPress website, 
the theme is sort of the big part of all of that. So if the theme market is this big, that mean, that tells you that there's a ton of people out there wanting WordPress websites built. And not all of those people, this is always the thing to keep in mind. You have these huge numbers and you might think, well, everybody's just buying themes. There's no room left for me to do any sort of custom stuff. Absolutely not true. There will always be people who just want something unique. They have money or they want something different or they've tried these themes. They didn't like it or they'll pay you to install this theme for them because they don't want to do it. There's always that uh, sort of those niches that are available in any sort of market. And you can look at cars and the custom, you know, you have all these custom shops that do this custom work. You know, you can look at any sort of market and there will always be those niches. And it's the exact same for for uh, web development markets and WordPress. So huge numbers when it comes to uh, themes and, and people wanting WordPress websites built. So, again, that's another strong signal of, of being very viable. Also went over on Upwork just for <laughs> thoroughness sake. And again, I did sort of my filtering that I tend to do with these sort of things to find the the sort of the, the most successful freelancers over there and then look at those numbers. So this was uh, freelancers who had 10K plus in total earnings. They had a thousand plus hours billed and they charged 60 hours uh, or more per hour. So that's going to give you sort of the top uh, freelancers that are out there. And so I did searches for some of the different things that you might think of when it comes to web development. And what I'm looking at is how many freelancers for those different searches fit those filters, because that would tell you that if they're coming up for a particular keyword search like WordPress or PHP, and they're fitting these filters that they're likely to have got most of their work from that particular keyword. So that sort of gives you an indicator of the health of that particular market over on Upwork in terms of freelancing, which again, starting a company that creates WordPress websites uh, sort of signals to me uh, that you would be doing freelance work. So again, another sort of direct comparison here. Now, the raw numbers aren't necessarily as important as the numbers when you're comparing them against each other. So for example, when I do all those filters and I just search for the term WordPress, I find 115 developers or freelancers who fit those filters. So there's 115 in that sort of upper echelon of freelancers that ha that come up for the the keyword WordPress. Now, if you do that same those same filters but you search for PHP instead, you find 86. So there's actually more freelancers that fit those filters in WordPress than there is in PHP which technically is a more general sort of market. So that should give you some indicator of the power of WordPress. Now, if I do JavaScript, because JavaScript is really, really popular right now, and you might think, okay, well, JavaScript is obviously going to be a lot higher than this. JavaScript comes up with 92 freelancers that fit that bill. Node comes up with five. React comes up with 16. So again, these aren't, this isn't just hard fact, okay, this is, these are just in, all indicators. So when you go through all of everything I just went through and you start looking at all of the indicators and where they point, they all sort of point towards the fact that this is a very viable, very large, very active market that is willing to pay money for the products and services that it gets. So the TLDR of is this a viable market, I would say is yes. So that, that sort of answers that question.
Now, I think the next thing that you need to look at is, okay, it's a really big viable market, but is it oversaturated or, or are there any opportunities or what are the big opportunities in the market? And so, again, like I said, I've been in this sort of market for over eight years now, so I have some sense of what's happening. And so I just want to go through what I think are are the big opportunities. Some of this is opinion-based. But I will give you some data uh, as well to go along with this. So the first, I think, I, I don't think I'm out of line. I think most people would probably agree that really the big opportunity in the market right now is with e-commerce. And one of the ways that you really know that is if you look at the WooCommerce numbers that I went went over when we were talking about plugin usage, you know, it, it's in the top 10 of all plugins and it's a lot more specific than the other plugins. So Contact Form 7 is sort of a general, like any site's going to probably want something like that. Yoast SEO, any site is probably going to want something like that. Akismet comes uh, default with WordPress, and it's a spam thing. So, again, it's going to apply to most sites. And Jetpack, again, they really push Jetpack hard. It has a bunch of different things. And all of these are sort of things that any kind of site would would want and so that makes sense that those numbers are really high but if you look at woocommerce that is a very specific and particular type of site and its numbers rival some of these other ones it's at three plus uh three million plus active installs compared to four and five for the others so you have something that is a really specific kind of site that still has those sort of big numbers so to me, that's a real, really big indicator that e-commerce is something that is very strong right now in WordPress and is something that you can you can sort of get into and, and, and take advantage of. And if you look at some of the numbers, if you go on WooCom- the WooCommerce site and look at some of the add-on plugins that are available and you start looking at some of those numbers, you'll see that you don't even have to build WooCommerce. You can build some small add-on for WooCommerce and still do pretty damn well. Uh, in the market. So again, it's it's huge. Uh, I went over to Upwork and I did sort of the same analysis for the, the WooCommerce keyword and you find 34 freelancers. So again, a really specific type of site that actually does more than React, has higher, more freelancers that fit those criteria than React and Node. So again, just another indicator. If you go to ThemeForest, you can find, so for example, the retailer theme has 13,730 units sold at $59 a unit. Shopkeeper is 19,639 at $69 a unit. And Xstore is 7,643 units sold at $49 a unit. So you can sort of do the math on that and realize that these, these are just one individual theme. A company might sell you know, nine or 10 or 20 or whatever. So you can sort of start to get your head around the numbers that you might be working with. So again, I think e-commerce is one of the big opportunities that you could look at to get into, probably the biggest right now that you could look to get into when it comes to uh, what kind of sites you want to build for people in the WordPress market. The next one is uh, membership, and I've talked about this. I've talked about this before, um, but just to go through some of the numbers, and then we'll, we'll get into that part of it. So the, the so a, kind of full di- disclosure here: the one, my uh, client, main client that I have right now, is 
a company called Wishlist Products. They create a, a membership plugin called Wishlist Member. And so that's why, and this plugin is for WordPress. So again, that's the company, that's how I've been involved with this sort of market for the last eight years. Anyway, their plugin sells 86, uh, has 86,115 uh, sites, uh, active sort of installs that it's installed on right now. And this is, now that may seem like teeny numbers compared to some of these other plugins, but this is not a free plugin. So that's people paying, the plugin costs $197 right now. So that's people actually forking over a decent amount of change to, to get uh, this plugin. So that gives you some indicator of, of the market when it comes to this. If you look at the top uh, WordPress plugins in the WordPress repository, there's 337 active installs. And there's a bunch of sort of themes and plugins that are in the same range. But if you look at some of the top ones there, the and add them up, you're pushing 200 to 300 K in, in revenue there. So not quite as big of a market when it comes to e-commerce and so forth. But I, the reason that I, I, I throw this out there is because I think this, and I talk about this, I did a, an episode, it's episode 249, and it was my predictions for 2018. And I talked a lot about membership and the fact that I think membership in, in general, sort of everywhere is going to grow in 2018 and 2019 and so forth. And the reason I think that is, is because you have sites like Udemy and Skillshare, but also Netflix and Hulu and all, all these sort of big name companies that people are looking at that are sort of making this move towards membership or membership type sites like this, or if they're not complete membership, it's sort of modular course type thing. And that has piqued a lot of curiosity. The, the way business tends to work is you have these big companies that try something new and then they have success with it and other business people see that and they sort of follow suit. So when you see these sort of bigger sites that are going this way or, or doing this sort of thing, uh, there's a good chance that that's going to sort of flow downhill. And I believe that more and more you're going to see membership, you're going to see these big membership type sites or big sites go to more towards this membership uh, type setup. Google Play Music is a good example. You, know, you had iTunes uh, and they now have Apple Music, but you had iTunes where you could buy things one off and that's sort of what you can do now with movies and so forth. And, and that's a sort of a Udemy model where you can buy courses. But then, you know, Google Play Music and Spotify and some of these other things came along and now you pay like, I think I pay $15 a month. I get access to basically every song I could ever want released now and for the past however many decades. And that $15 isn't just for me. It's for up to six family members, I believe, that, that can uh, use it on their phone as well. So it's just a no-brainer in terms of for me in, in, in having that. So I think you're going to see some more of that that happening and as that happens this membership thing is going to is going to grow and become bigger and bigger and people are going to be looking to do that with their own sites. So I put this in there while it may not currently be as big as some of these others, I think it's going to be growing and and get big over the next couple of years. The final one then is sort of a generic type thing, but I would say uh, what I would call hosted type services or maybe uh, SaaS software as a service type type setups. 
And the reason I say this is if you look at some of the movement that's been made in the market recently, so you see Studio Press coming out with Studio Press Sites, which is sort of a hosted uh, sort of setup for WordPress sites. They, previous to that, had done Rainmaker, which was a sort of a hosted solution for membership sites. You see Zippy Courses, which is helps you more create more of like a, I would say, Udemy-type setup, and I believe they are... From reading the FAQ, uh, the FAQ, it looked like they were now hosted as well, or maybe they were from the start. But anyway, it's a hosted solution. Uh, you have WooCommerce. WooCommerce itself isn't hosted, but you have the integration with Braintree, which is sort of a uh, kind of a, a hosted type SaaS type setup thing. Um, you also have Patreon. I just got the email today. They just rolled out a WordPress integration. So those aren't necessarily pure hosted SaaS type things, but it's sort of in that same sort of vein of either providing a fully hosted solution or integrating with something else that is a fully sort of hosted solution or is this a SaaS solution, etc. That type of thing I think is going is growing and becoming bigger and bigger and is only going to uh, to 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 get bigger as time goes on. So when you're thinking about creating websites and so forth for businesses, don't just necessarily think in terms of I'm going to build a theme or I'm going to build this site for them, but how can I turn this into a sort of hosted solution or a SaaS product uh, and, and be able to to uh, tap into sort of that recurring revenue type thing, membership, sort of a membership type thing that, that goes along with that sort of thing. Maybe you don't want to get into all that, but it's just something to think about uh, because the market is becoming more exposed to those sorts of things. All right, finally then, I want to talk about some just some general tips that I have, uh, having been in this market for over eight years now, um, things I've seen, things I've learned, and so forth. So I think the really, if you're going to do this, the really big thing that you need to get clear on right up front is get really clear on your ideal market, who that is. And the story that really hits home for me with this is I was at a conference. I was at an Infusionsoft conference, their ICON. I think it was 2014. It was in Arizona. So anyway, I was at this conference and really great conference. And you know, there's a lot of great speakers and so forth. But oftentimes at these sort of things, the the, the real value comes from after the conference. You know, in the bar or Oh, in 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 the the hotel lobby, etc. People just sort of chatting, and it so happened that the former brand manager, I believe that's what it was, or maybe it was product manager for Infusionsoft, who helped architect their move. And at this conference, they talked a lot about the the this move that they had made. They used to have the nickname Confusionsoft, and it was this really complicated, hard to use. Uh, uh, piece of software is really powerful but it's complicated and hard to use and they made the this sort of transition to the big thing was what they call their campaign builder it was a lot easier to use it, it helped to do the same thing that you could before but it just made it a lot more intuitive a lot easier to use and they had sort of talked about that a lot at this conference and so anyway the the sort of brand manager that was there the product manager that was there that helped architect all of that told us the story of of how that sort of happened. And there was a lot to it, but one of the things that he mentioned is that they looked at their customer base and you know they they sort of realized that 
they were they were trying to serve sort of the hundred percent of their customer base when really their their product was only was really 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 good was like the perfect solution for about twenty percent of their customer base and that they needed to go all in on that twenty percent and make it so that that twenty percent this was like the perfect ideal solution for them and stop trying to cater to the other eighty percent that was causing them to do things that weren't really in their wheelhouse. And so they did that and it just totally revitalized the company, changed um, the revenue went clear up as a result of it. Even though they were catering to a much smaller user base, it was a lot better solution. They could charge more. They got, you know, had back-end sort of products and add-ons and all that sort of thing. And they actually increased their revenue even though they appealed to a lot smaller uh, base of users. So Again, it just sort of hammers home that you really want to get clear on your ideal market. You don't want to try to be everything to everybody. That's one of the biggest mistakes that developers make uh, is trying to do that. So get really clear on your ideal market. And then before you develop anything, go and talk to those people and, and, and get some sense of what's going through their head in terms of what they want, what are the roadblocks or the headaches that they deal with, the things that they're just really annoying, big problems. Sort of what are their goals for their website? What are they what are they trying to get to beyond just building a website, but why are they building the website? So you can sort of understand what type of product is going these people are really going to want and also the messaging that's really going to be effective uh, with them. A lot of times, you know, we us developers have this tendency that when we have an idea, we just all right, let's start coding. But you really need to get clear on who you're gonna be building it for. And, and if you're going to target that 20%, you really need to know that 20% very, very well so you can build a perfect product for them. So talk to them before you develop anything. Then as you sort of you've talked to them and you start getting into the development, beta test early and often and preferably with the same people that you talked to because those, again, are your, you know, if you've done this right, those are your ideal market. So you want to get sort of a, a minimum viable product and then get it in their hands and have them start using it and get their feedback and sort of use them as a gauge to help you get to the, the next stage of this or the next tip with all of this, which is to know, not hope, not guess, but know that you have a winner. And the way that you know that you have a winner is everything I've talked about before, talking to your uh, clients, letting them or your potential uh, ideal market, your ideal clients, talking to them, letting them beta test early and often, getting to the point where they sit down, they use it, and they're like, "Oh my God, this is a dream. This is the perfect. This is exactly what I want." And so, again, you want to know that you have a winner, not just hope or wish or or guess that you do. And then once you have a winner, then you can be really confident, and that's. Uh, in your in your product, and that is the number one thing that you need to then go into the next part of it, which is selling it and marketing it. You know, uh, sales. It's sort of a common thing in, in sales that you can't sell something that you don't really believe in. So you have to get yourself to the point where you really believe in your product. And everything I mentioned before is how you do that. But once you do, now get out there and market like mad and content. Right now, content is the the biggest way to do that. I, I mentioned sort of Studio Press earlier. They are 
I don't know exactly how the relationship works or whatever, but I think they are all now one company apart along with copy uh, copy blogger, which is a was a really, really popular blog that, that got a ton of traffic. Studio Press was a separate company, and then they decided to sort of come together. And Copy Blogger is sort of the media part of all of it. And they put out tons of content. They get tons of traffic. And then, of course, they push people to their uh, the Studio Press products and services as a part of all of that. So content marketing is really huge right now. But once you know you have a winner, just get out there and market like mad. Don't be afraid to tell people what you have and how it'll benefit them. Because if you really believe in it and really think it's going to make their life better, then why wouldn't you do that? So uh, those are, uh, again, some of the the things that I've learned over the last few years in terms of how to actually be successful doing this. So so take that for what it's worth. Now, of course, if uh, the, the sort of foundation of all of this or what all this is based on is this idea uh, if you have to be actually be able to build these sort of applications and be able to execute on these products and services and so forth. So if you want to learn how to build professional applications that can scale, that just feel polished to an end user, the kind of Again, professional application where you can drop in and dominate a market because you're so much better technology and talent-wise. You can create a better product because you have a really deep fundamental understanding of how to build professional-level type applications. So if that's something that you want to learn how to do, then I want to encourage you to check out my object-oriented programming course. You can do so at johnmorrisonline.com slash OOP. But again, it's going to teach you object-oriented programming, but it's it's more than that. It's going to teach you how to do all of that in the scope of building professional-level applications. Because at the end of the, the day, end of the day, whether it's a website or a WordPress plugin or a theme or whatever, that's what we're doing. And the more uh, polished, the more professional you can build those applications or those websites or whatever, then the more you're going to be able to dominate these markets and suck up you know, the, the revenue that's available there. So again, check that out, johnmorrisonline.com slash OOP. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you liked it, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with someone who you think could benefit from hearing it or has the same sort of question. Also, you can find all past episodes and the subscribe links for Android, iTunes, and tune in at johnmorrisshow.com. And finally, if you'll leave me a honest review of the podcast over on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. And I will also give you module one of my PHP 101 course for free. All the details on that are at johnmorrisshow.com. Just click the start here link at the top. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.